0: This is
1: the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. I was
0: trying to get it out.
2: Still, still, still not tired on this week's episode of Two Bad Ombres. I am your host, Vito Herrani Motrick, along to my usual sidekick and broadcast partner and fun. That is Doc from Doc and Jock. And I have recovered since nobody showed up for my birthday party, by the way, a week ago. I'll just say that much. <laughs> Doc, you take it from there.
1: Vito, welcome to The weekend. Always enjoy the two Bad Hombre's recording. In studio with us, Kevin Manglos. You heard him earlier this week on the Tigers Talk podcast. He's sitting in this week. He's about to experience a wild ride. He don't know what's about to come <laughs> in our conversation. And what a story that was, Vito. Um, look, I don't like to be the skeptical guy. I don't like to be the guy that's all you know negative about it. But when I saw that picture of that young lad, uh, I think he was like seven, eight years young old. Young kid, little yeah. boy, yeah why did the mother take that photo? Why did she post it online? Now, look, he was able to get some benefits and a lot of people felt sorry for him. But I just feel like in that situation, how is it possible that nobody shows up to your kid's birthday? You don't have a single cousin, a friend, uh, a confidant, anybody that uh, would want to come. And so the story is, for those that don't know, this boy and the family had set up a birthday party and he had invited about 30 kids from his class. And nobody showed up. And so the mom, you know, plasters this photo of this poor boy sitting there with three pizzas, uh, 30 plates, and she posted it all online and a lot of people... Uh, felt sorry for the boy and wished him a happy birthday. The Phoenix Suns had uh, treated him to a to a game and made him a VIP. A lot of people felt sorry for him, but some people did say, "Why on earth is this mom post in this photo when you know what? If if nobody shows up, you just go home and talk to a family member." I feel like it was staged for attention. A lot of what we see this day and age in 2018,
2: it was staged. It was a PR stunt, and then the Suns bit on it. I mean, come on, they were duped that much where they they gave him seats to do a game doc you were saying i didn't realize that about the sons but man they were duped and a lot of people i think were duped because like you said it goes back to your point earlier where nobody shows up for your son's birthday when you invited like his whole entire class come on that's not going to happen they staged that photo to make it look worse than it really was and well just to make it look horrible and to make everybody feel bad for this kid and then the kid got some perks probably that the mom wanted as well by the way Uh, that's how i view it kevin
0: yeah you know when i first saw the picture the, the thing that struck out to me was so here's the boy, and then, you know, running down the table, parallel lines are all the paper plates, and there's pizza sitting out there. And my first actual thought was, I've been to a lot of kids' birthday parties. They don't even break that stuff out until everyone shows up, and everyone's always coming in late, and then they bring the food out. So it's almost like the mother said, oh, yeah, go ahead, continue to lay this out because I'm staging a shot. So, yeah, I, I call bunk on that. I don't, I don't think it can be real. And, if it, and even if it is the mother, shame on her. Shame on
2: her to get all the PR for really herself, her son, and you want your son, your kid's right to live in glory, have all the perks the bells and whistles. So you want to see your kid succeed, but there you're not allowing him to succeed. Now he's probably thinking right in the back of his head, oh, my mom's going to do this for me the rest of my life, right? That's not a good thing that you're establishing with your son too. Yeah. And who has a
1: birthday party devoid of any family members? Not one family member, a cousin, like Well, I could see where it was a birthday
2: party with kids from school. I mean, I had those growing up. I don't know if you guys did. I'm like a little, two, bit, little bit younger. Like two, but- birth- Like two birthdays? Yeah, where, like, when you were younger in grade school, you invited the kids from your class. Like, to be nice, all the kids came, and it was a fun kid birthday party. So it was separate from the family birthday party. So I'm not going to say there should have been family members there, but come on. You mean, you know, a classroom is how, you know, how many kids make up a classroom? Fifteen kids, at least, let's say? So you invited 14 other kids. You mean that not one or two or three of them could show up that day when you had the birthday party? Come on. I don't believe that either.
1: Yeah, nobody believes it, and look, even if we are cynical, I just think there are some things you do for attention, and some things you just have to let go of, and that was a situation in which you don't have to, and I know I'm one to talk because I post a lot of stuff online, but not everything that you think or happens in your life needs to be posted online, and sometimes we do have to remember that uh, you have to uh, have some discretion in deciding what you want to put online, and especially with kids, you know, to embarrass a kid or to have people feel sorry for you for that you know what, if it happens, if it's real, then you just go home and you save the money and don't buy the pizzas and things like that. You just wait it out. Don't buy the pizzas, move on, and you can you know enjoy other quality times with your family or different times if if it didn't work out.
2: And the kid doesn't realize what you're doing at that stage in his life or her life, so the kid's being... There's this PR stunt being made involving him. He has no clue what's being done. And then he has to live with the repercussions later on. Well, when he realizes or is old enough to realize, I can go on Twitter and find out what was said about me back then, then he's looking up all this stuff and all these people are calling him a fraud. And he's a little child. You know, that's not right either where people were attacking him and his mom. But can we call it BS? I think we can still call it BS, though, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I'm going to call it BS. And, And, you know, whatever the mother's motivations were, I guess only she can answer for those. But, you know, talk about the wrong message to send to a child. Yeah. There's a lot of times in this life when, when you are wronged and there is no redemption. Um, so I think that it's the, probably the worst message you can send. Like, you are getting all of this attention because something bad happened to you. Well, there's a lot of times in life where there there is no redemption for that. You just have to pick up and move on.
1: Now, Kevin, I'm so glad you're here because I got an opportunity to pick your brain. You got experience now being a married guy. I definitely want to get some counsel from you and ask some questions. Now, for me... You know, in terms of how much guy time I'm allowed from my wife, because we all, Vito, uh, you not being married, I can tell you that look, when you start, you know, spending a lot of time with your friends or start asking for, you know, time to watch football or time to go to the fellas' house and watch Monday night football, and you're not there at home they start to bring up some things that you don't do. (laughs) Like, you know, you forgot to take off the garbage last week. Or, you know, I've told you 80 times to take your, you know, shoes off in front of the house. Or, you know, you haven't done this and you haven't done that. We haven't gone on a date in four months. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. So what I've done and I've been really good at it is with my wife is in terms of trying to spend time with the fellas or doing things that bring me joy, because you all, we all know that when you're exactly thrilled and happy, the wife just has to say something to bring you down a notch. And so what I do is I say, honey, no problem. If I hang with the fellas, that equates to a date with you. So for the most part, it's like an equal ratio of about one to one. How do you get away with it, Kevin? Because you said you basically, you know, go to the bunker to watch... Football and be involved heavily in fantasy football. I know your wife is not just like, go ahead, Kevin, enjoy your time and just go do you. I'll be out here not spending money and just cleaning the house and handling business. I know she's not saying that. So, what do you do to try and mitigate the time that you need personally alone, you know, doing the things that you like?
0: So, first off, for any of this to work, you got to have a wife that gives you a lot of room. You know, she's got to give you a wide berth, kind of. Thing. And and so Sundays, you know, my main football day. Um, a lot of times, what takes the pressure off is we have her mother over, mm. which is very nice because. My, so we we get to see yeah we get to see your lovely aunt yeah my, my aunt's my mother in law she is yes. what a wonderful lady I love her, um, but she comes over to see the baby she comes over to see Laura, and uh, I just kind of like sneak off and and you know they pop a bottle of wine or two and pretty much I'm on my own recognizance until, until someone discovers me.
1: (laughs) See, and that's a good time too, man. When you sit, when you get a chance to watch football and there's no distraction, the kids aren't running around, there's nobody asking you for to pay a bill or nobody, nothing uh, unexpected happening. It's just a good feeling, you know? And, And I tell people because I do counsel couples that it's very important that guys and girls have individuality, do some stuff away from the couple because so many couples they get into this bad habit, Vito, of just wanting to do everything together, like watch football together, uh, go to you know family functions together, go to friends things together. There's got to be some time where you separate from the misses because it just lets you say things sometimes that or think things that you're not supposed to and just let it out. And guys got to be allowed to be guys. And so I'm thankful, and I'm thankful that Laura allows you to watch fantasy football. And I'm thankful my wife uh, lets me go out Monday nights uh, you know, every so often and hang out with the fellas. It's, it's definitely important.
2: And then your wives allow you guys time to be suckered in by the lions. <laughs> I mean, because that can happen to a lot of us. Yeah, right. Watching them now at three and four, and now Golden Tate has been dealt. That just went down, and leading into the NFL trade deadline. And Kevin, I'll ask you first: What do you think about the deal involving Golden Tate?
0: I think that Philadelphia must have really wanted them, and and what a force they've created for themselves. Um, you got to make them the front runners coming out of the NFC East, in my opinion. They get they got the experience. Wentz is kind of finding his stride after the injury and the comeback, and you know, Nick Foles isn't in, in his back window. Um, I, I, great move, and and what a spend! And and hopefully the Lions can turn that third round pick into something. You know, if they've brought the Patriots way, let's use it and get some value for draft picks.
1: I think we've gotten two kind of distinct reactions on our Twitter page at Detroit Podcast. You got the hardcore fans that are looking at 2018, and they're like, "Wait a minute! Have the Lions basically waved the white flag on this year?" And you look at it and you go, "Man, removing one of your key contributors this year, it's not." going to be too likely that this team is going to make the postseason but you know those of us that kind of watch the Lions and formulate opinions based upon the last couple games you kind of realize this isn't really a good playoff team so to make a move it's a professional move by uh, Bob Quinn in order to improve the ball club because Golden Tate was going to leave for nothing he's a free agent so that means he's free to shop around and sign anywhere he, he likes and he's going to want big money he's not going to give us a hometown deal so Bob Quinn made a professional move and he got assets. And Kevin speaks to the biggest concern that fans have is those that say, "This is a terrible move. What are you doing? It's 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 a win-now league. Why are you getting rid of Golden Tate? This is a leader, this is a community guy. This is somebody that's important to the organization." They say, "You know what? They're concerned that, wait a minute, you know, Bob Quinn has some duds at the draft position and the first round and some of the guys that he's brought in haven't contributed like a tease Tabor, like a Jared Davis, but you know, others will argue Kenny Galladay, some of the moves that he's made in free agency and trades have worked out. So he's around 50, 60% in terms of efficiency, but people are panicked when you have a known commodity like a golden tape versus a draft pick where a lot of times, to be honest, fellas, it's a crapshoot.
2: But at least I think, you know, from his standpoint, Bob Quinn's standpoint, Golden Tate was picked up in free agency. So it's not like he was homegrown and a great draft pick that became this all-pro, pro-bowl caliber wideout and the best wideout on the Lions. So I'll give him that much. And then he was set to leave the Lions in free agency. And I don't think Matt Patricia really wanted him around for next year. And it's a Patriots way. Tate's never been a Patriot guy and never—well, he's been on some good teams with the Seattle Seahawks, but now it's been a couple of years as he's been with the Lions. And now you brought up trading the quarterback for the Lions, Matt Stafford, all of a sudden. I mean— ludicrous blasphemous to me and you bring it up on Twitter and you just well you lit everybody up man because everybody went wild after that tweet too doc
1: okay before we talk about that uh thumbs up or thumbs down let's go around the room me thumbs up on the Golden Tate I'm fully invested in Bob Quinn I do believe that he's making the right move and he realizes this is not a playoff team I know it's not a playoff team try your best to stockpile picks and talent thumbs up for me
2: Thumbs up, too, because you're building for the future, and I want them to build for the future, and I think it proved to you that recent game against the Seahawks that Lions aren't going to win this year anyways.
0: Thumbs up for me, too, and, uh, you know, a credit to the Lions organization trying to get something for a, a proven asset on the way out. Smart football. Very smart football. Now, here's what happened, okay, because
1: like everybody, I'm a Lions fan. I sit... Sometimes I'm not as lucky as Kevin, and I don't watch football alone. Uh, I got the kids running around, and they want my attention because Sunday is probably the only day I get a chance to kind of hang out at home a little bit. So I'm watching football, but I got the kids, like, one on each arm going, Daddy, Daddy! So I'm watching, but I definitely DVR the game and watch it late at night when I get a chance to watch fully in terms of play selection and things like that. So you look at that contest versus Seattle, a big game. It's like, come on, you got to step up. The Lions needed that victory. You're sitting at 3-3. and It's a key opponent that you have to get the victory against if you want to have success this year and they came out and they had a dud and it was a terrible performance it was a situation in which once seattle got rolling they dropped three touchdowns on you like that and the lines didn't answer they did not play a solid game and you in, in the big games veto what i see is matthew stafford sometimes doesn't rise to the occasion versus the prime time opponents russell wilson did at three and three he stepped up and he had touchdown pass after touchdown pass and matthew stafford for whatever reason, turned the ball over. Some throws were a little bit errant. The offense had drive after drive after drive stall that resulted in a punt. So again, we have a situation now. We're sitting here recording a podcast, talking about the Lions being under 500, not likely to make the postseason. And so Vito, you know, I get hundreds and hundreds of messages, especially during Lions games on our Twitter page at Detroit podcast. And one person said, you know what? That." The idea about Stafford wasn't my idea. Somebody said, you know what? Uh, Jay Cutler got a haul um, from, you know, the Bears gave the Broncos some first round picks. He said, you know what? What if the, the Lions were willing to trade Stafford, you know, maybe to a team that doesn't have a great quarterback and like the Giants? What if, you know, the Giants approached the Lions and said, hey, you know, we'll give you two first round picks for Matthew Stafford. Would you guys make the deal? And I said, well, look, let's take out the scenario about the cap hit and things like that. It really speaks to a bigger question. Do you believe Matthew Stafford is the quarterback that's going to get us to the postseason consistently and get us wins? Because it's been a decade, and Kevin's probably sat and watched and gone, what is going on with this team? It's like one week, it's great, we're all cheering, enjoying the beer. The next, we're throwing the damn our beer at the TV going, what is up with this bum? Why are we giving $27 million? And so for me, I'm a doubter. I'm skeptical. I don't see it. Vito, it's a decade in, and he doesn't have a playoff win. And so, you know, in those key moments, he hasn't delivered. And so I'm saying, you know what, I'm a little bit more open to the notion that maybe not this year, but in a couple of years, if he doesn't have a trajectory of winning playoff games and getting to the Super Bowl, I'm ready to move on.
2: But the Lions for me, now I'm the contrarian to this point of view from Doc, because I believe Stafford, you can win with them. And I think it comes down to the fact, What's you along? think you can win? Well lack of quality supporting cast members. I look at it like that you're a product of the team that you're drafted by, that you're playing for, and the team that he's been playing for for a lot of his career with the Lions hasn't been good enough to win. And... They haven't won a division. They can't win in the playoffs. But once again, I base that largely upon his supporting cast members on defense, on offense. And now he has the weapons. But even when he had a Kelvin Johnson, didn't have a ground game, didn't have the best secondary options. And then how about the defense? For me, you got to have the solid D and the solid O and D line. Guess what? One of the Lions had both a solid O-line and D-line. O-line never. D-line periodically with and Sue, right? And Ansa when he's helping... Will he ever even play it down with the Lions again? Maybe he won't. So for me, it's about the rest of the team, and it comes down to whether or not you truly believe that Stafford, with him as your franchise passer, you can win playoff games and make a Super Bowl run. And I believe that with a solid team around him that Stafford can make that happen, Kevin.
0: And, and I agree with that. Obviously, the recipe is you know a, a large part of the, the success of the team, but Stafford doesn't have that intangible where I feel like The game's in his hands. We're driving down. He doesn't give me that Aaron Rodgers feel. You know, Aaron Rodgers is an assassin. Under a minute to go. No timeouts. Like, he is an assassin. Stafford, he doesn't make me feel that way. And uh, is he ever going to get it? Probably not. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Rocket for an arm. His decision-making ability has improved with, you know, as he's become more of a veteran, but doesn't have that quality where I feel good about the game in his hands at the end.
2: And really quick, Doc, you call him Pad Stafford? What's the... Okay. Phrase that you use regarding him because I don't like that either because he's padding his stats because, well, the game's out of question and not because of him largely. So he's padding his stats because what else is there to do for him? He's going to pad his stats. So I don't like that either, which I know you used that moniker recently on Twitter too.
1: The disrespectful nickname that kind of has surfaced online in the last couple years, not original to me, is Stat Padford. Meaning that this is an individual that you know has big numbers, but a lot of his numbers are meaningless because of the fact that the lines are always behind And he's always delivering the goods when the Lions are down two and three touchdowns. Because what happens, Vito, and anybody that watches knows this because that's why the nickname kind of surfaced and has been perpetuated now for the last three, four years. Stat Padford kind of arose because of the fact that, you know, the Lions are always playing from behind. And what happens is, naturally, defense is they don't want to give up the home run ball like in one play, 10 seconds. So what they do is, when you're up 21-7 or 28-7, similar to what the Seahawks were, is that they play back. The safeties play back, and they let you do the underneath stuff where you can just pass the ball and get 10 yards, uh, a pass play. So what happens is, Stafford always racks up these two and three touchdowns where they're in the fourth quarter where the defense isn't really trying. Most importantly is, when you look at What's going on with Matthew Stafford? You have to evaluate, you know, how he performs against winning teams. And the record is abysmal because of the fact that, you know what, like Kevin said to his point, great point. Versus better opponents, you got to step up. you got to have more of something that's like leadership, uh, integrity. you got to have this it factor that a guy like Patrick Mahomes now is starting to develop, like Tom Brady has, like Aaron Rodgers has, like Drew Brees has, the top five, six quarterbacks in the league. It's something where it's an undying commitment to winning, where there's no matter what's happening in his life with wife, kids, anything, the, the sole desire is to win. And I think now Stafford being married, getting that fat contract, I just don't see the undying, mitigating passion that no matter what, I step on that football field with the desire to be number one and anything that gets in my way. Is absolutely going to be destroyed. Like, do you ever see Stafford getting in someone's face? How is it possible that under your leadership, you play a game like that and then a couple leaders after the game come out and say that the team wasn't focused in in, in practice? That can't happen. You got to, you know, grab that face mask and go get your ass in gear and let's go. We got to go out and get the job done. And I don't think that Bob Quinn trades Golden Tate if they win that game. And so everybody that's against. Matthew Stafford says his numbers really aren't reflective of really his talent because they're meaningless.
2: Well, he's Stafford, though, too, because of the fact that his team around him is so bad that they're down big in games. I don't think it's largely because of him. Now, a game against the Jets week one and the Monday Night Football opener to start the season, that was on Stafford largely. He was yeah. horrible. Yeah. But that was one of his most abysmal games ever as Lions starting quarterback in his defense. There's really nothing close to that for Stafford. Now, Would should he have mean? had that? I'm not excusing it and saying, well, that can't happen for him. No, it can't happen for him. And against the Seahawks, that's a game at home you probably should win. I acknowledge that as well. But remember, Ziggy Ansah's not playing. The running game's there now. But how about the defense? The rest of the defense, the secondary's missing. Miserable. I mean, so if they pass on you and score all the points, you got to play catch up then because your defense sucks. Now so remember that as well. Here's Doc.
1: part of the argument I made online is that there's this great philosophy. And I understand the quarterback is a sexy position. It's the position, it's the, the position that gets paid. It's the excitement in the stands when he throws that deep bomb. And he's the guy orchestrating that offense, okay? But just look one year ago, okay? Wentz is the quarterback for Philly, the team now that Tate's going to. He goes down, blows out his knee. Nick Foles is now tasked with uh, going out there and winning the Super Bowl. He's got to go through the playoffs and help that Eagles team win. Is that guy a franchise quarterback? He's not even playing right now, Vito. So what I'm saying is I just want to change the narrative a little bit and saying, look, because obviously it kind of suits my personality. You don't have to be, you don't have to have the sexy quarterback making $30 million a year like that is out there in New England. And when a guy goes down, maybe like a Stafford, everybody would believe the season's over, but if you build a great offense, a great defense, build a great team, then you can just have a game manager, somebody that can just, you know, get the ball five yards out, hand the ball off to a stud running back, rely on your defense, especially now that you've got a defensive coach. I want to change the emphasis on spreading out money to more talented individuals, as opposed to the quarterback who's making $27 million and is not worth the money he's getting paid.
2: Well, see, with Nick Foles, though, remember, he was on the Eagles, a lot of talent. Now, you did, you know, admit that, well, it's about building maybe a system, too, and having that system in place before the quarterback takes over, which Nick Foles, you know, he got into a system that was great for him, and he was able to succeed. But also remember, he was relevant at one time before Nick Foles, with the Eagles in his first stint with the Eagles, where they were flying high, he threw all those touchdowns, little to no interceptions, with Chip Kelly leading the way, so Foles was relevant at one point, so it doesn't apply to every single quarterback out there that's a backup or third stringer. Like Dan Orlovsky, do you think... Think really, you can just put him into any system, and you're going to win with a bunch of talent around you? Not necessarily. But, so I don't think it's applicable to every okay. single backup out there. Nick Foles was a relevant starting quarterback at one point. Okay, that came into a great system. I think you can win with that. Where Orlovsky was never good. Okay. you can't just take somebody that was never good and put them into a system that works.
1: Vito, you made a great point, and that's the argument people say is who's next. Okay, if it's not who's Stafford? the alternative solution, okay. I agree with that too. That's Bob Quinn's job is not to go replace Stafford with Orlovsky. It's to create a system that will allow the Detroit Lions to have a massive injury to the quarterback and then just next man up. Okay, you had a situation in which you have this team now that's heavily based on that offense when you got a defensive coach. And the offense isn't performing consistently versus the great teams. You look at it and you go, okay, you score seven points versus the Seahawks. That's on Stafford. That's on, uh, you know, the entire offense for not utilizing Galladay, the tight ends. And not making anybody better. I mean, every Kevin can attest to this. He watched Eric Ebron drop a million balls, and he got pissed
0: off. And now he goes somewhere else, and it's catching touchdowns. Why is that? Dude is lighting it up in Indy. I saw him make a catch on Sunday. I was like, is that Ebron? I mean, you know, for all of the bunking and you know all the all the the bad press he got while he was here, now is, he's performing. Is he a gem that got that got away? I mean, Andrew Luck is like using him as as he's a real threat out there. Um, so yeah, and and and. To Doc's point about this is Quinn's job. This is his job. Like they're they're not going to get tied to to a quarterback. And I know they gave him all the big money, but it's a it's a eye on the prize league. And I think that um, they're they're just biding their time with him. You know they 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 gave him the money because they had no other option. But are they stuck to him forever? No.
1: So the question I got to ask you, Kevin, being that you've been a Lions fan now for a long time and you've watched the ups and the downs the entire Millen era. Now with Bob Quinn and now the Patriot way. Are you patient with this Lions team? Because you're watching the games. The fans are booing the Lions on like plays where they score field goals. They're booing the Lions when they're leading, when there are plays happening that they don't like. The fans, in general, I kind of get a sense, based upon the reaction I see online, is that they're not happy waiting because there's no guarantee that the future is going to bring us what we want. It's set up that way. It's being sold now with trading Golden Tate that way. But when you look at the Lions organization, it's really hard to ask your fan base to be patient when we've all been waiting. Now I'm almost 40 years old and have only seen one playoff win in my entire lifetime. One. How can you ask this fan base to be patient? I don't even think people can execute it. I think you're going to see a lot of booing going forward. You're going to see a lot of losses. And I don't know how this organization can expect this fan base to be patient because I feel like we're starving.
0: Yeah, and what happens if they finish six and ten this year? What if, what if they, you know, finish <laughs> they're selling us on the 11? future. They're selling us on draft picks. I, I, you want to talk about an angry fan base? Now, wait another yeah. year of of this, you know, mediocrity. You know, and going back to last year, you know, they the Lions had that three game window where they needed to win one of three games to take the division outright. When 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 they kind of failed there, and you know that's the prior coaching re- regime and everything. But when they failed there. You know, every Lions fan just kind of went through the the last, you know, for my lifetime. I'm a little bit older than Doc, but for the most part, you know, I, it takes you back to that just lifetime of not winning. And it, we have waited too long. Last playoff win, 91. 91. And, and I think three division titles in 60 years. Horrible, despicable, right? You're winning one per (laughs) 20-year clip. I mean, uh, what can you ask of this fan base that hasn't been asked already? And and do they have more to give? Probably not.
1: To summarize, it's just tough to be a Lions fan and to ask for patience. I mean, you can see the vision. You can see the outline that it is more professional, that they're going to turn over players that are going to be free agents. They're going to rely on younger players. They have a cap that they have to work under. But it's just so hard to say... Yeah, it's going to work out because what happens next year when you go out and draft a guy and maybe he doesn't pan out? You know, you have seven draft picks. You're lucky if three of them are going to contribute. And then you look at it and you go, Minnesota's still there. Green Bay is going to be a, a tough out every single year with Aaron Rodgers. And, and Vito we're looking at it and we're evaluating the quarterback, it's a position that's super important. And are we going to have to wait until Stafford's 37 years old to have any monicum of success? He's getting paid like a Drew Brees. He's getting paid like a guy that's won a Super Bowl. So the criticism I think is fair, but... I'm not a guy that's just going to blindly be like, yeah, I'm a Stafford supporter when, you know what, you don't get credit for being the best Lions quarterback ever. I don't compare Stafford to Orlovsky. I don't compare Stafford to Joey Harrington. I don't compare him to Charlie Batch. I compare him to Tom Brady. I compare him to uh, Joe Montana. I compare him to the all-time greats. And what does he look like compared to them? And from my opinion, a comparison that I don't want to go down, but it's now looking like like a Dan Marino, a Jim Kelly, uh, a guy that gets, you know, a little bit of success, but can't get over the hump like an Alex Smith. And you go, I don't want to pay a guy to be Alex Smith. I want to pay Joe Montana. And that's just the argument I'm going to make day in and day out, and I'm not afraid to ask the tough questions. You know, Kevin, a lot of people told me to F off with the Stafford question. But I liked it. I told people, wow, you came in strong. I, I like the, the engagement. I like the passion. Um, we got over 300 responses of people going, yes, no, do it, do it, not do it, the cap. It was a great, definitely great tweet and debate. And anytime you bring up Stafford, it draws attention. Anybody can discuss Stafford in that. And there's a lot of people that support him. I understand why. He is the best that we've ever seen, but it's not good enough. And that's okay to say that Vito, look, we do a podcast and we compare ourselves to others like the Drew and Mike podcast or others that do this. And we go, Hey, we're doing a good job, but let's get more sponsors. Let's do more shows. Let's uh, work on getting the product out faster. I don't just go, ah, we made it. We're great. Let's just, Be the Detroit Sports Podcast. I want Kevin to listen and go, damn, that's really good. I want to listen again. I want to come back. I want to call up Doc and be like, this was the funnest two hours I ever had. And that's what you got to keep striving for is that in football and in life, really, you meet goal A, you got to get goal B. And right now they're not even at goal A. They can't even get to the playoffs you got to ask for more.
2: But, guys, if you trade Stafford, don't you feel like he comes back to haunt the Lions? He goes and wins with another organization. So be it. And I know you want to just try. You say, hey, just let it happen and see what happens. But also goes back to a point you made, too. Who's the alternative solution? And then you admitted it yourself. We don't know if we can trust Bob Quinn in the draft. So you trade Stafford for two first-rounders. What are those first-rounders going to amount to? And then remember, not every quarterback that you draft is a home run hit. You're not going to hit on every quarterback that you draft. And the guys that recently have become home run quarterbacks or elite guys and guys that really teams are building around, such as Patrick Mahomes, nobody totally, totally, or people did, but not a lot of people or everybody didn't totally view him as a home run hit. Didn't think that of Patrick Mahomes. How about Drew Brees coming out of Purdue? He was too small. How about Russell Wilson coming out of Wisconsin? He was too small. He was a third rounder. How about Tom Brady? He wasn't a home run hit when he came out of the draft. That's why he waited until the sixth round to be drafted out of Michigan by the Patriots. So remember that as well. Even Aaron Rodgers had a wait, remember? And yeah. people didn't know he would be as great as he has become, too, out of Cal.
1: I'll leave you with this. I just think that the emphasis on the quarterback here in Detroit might not be the best emphasis. Emphasize that defense. Emphasize the offensive but line. So if you the do that,
2: back. But if you do that, you can then win the- with Stafford. You can win with Stafford. Yeah. So it defeats the purpose of trading him.
1: But that's what you've been working on for the last six years. Where, where's the results?
2: Well, now we got to see it starting with next year's draft. I think it has come to that that we want to see results. And you're Here, right.
1: Here's why I'm going to win the argument. Okay. If you don't win with the best wide receiver that the organization has ever seen in Calvin Johnson, how about
2: the defense? I mean, you still got to go back. It's not just a one. How about Drew Brees? He's had many years of being just, you know, all right with the team, the team just being all right around him, and the team doesn't do great because of that. So just because he's great, he's not throwing many INTs and throwing a lot of touchdowns, have the Saints always won? They won the one Super Bowl, and that's it, remember. They're not always making the playoffs. So there's that point, too.
1: Very fair argument, you know. But I'm saying that I'm going with a different philosophy of just a a little bit less heralded quarterback and a a world-renowned defense and running game and things like that, things that have been proven to win. I don't need the quarterback, uh, at least in Detroit. I don't need him zinging the ball over the place for five thousand yards and getting ninety-seven every year. I'd rather take a Mahomes or somebody. Well, that's,
2: Mahomes, they me? you can't. You said no. No, you him. just said you'd rather just or you would settle for. You're not settling. That's a top-tier quarterback. They don't but, just grow on listen, trees, though. That'd so be great. My point would be like, how about Alex Smith? Would you take him on? Oh, that's a tough Ooh. one. Well, there we go. So Stanford's better than Alex Smith. That's a million-dollar question. Could Alex Smith? Because you this talked offense? about settling for a quarterback, unless quarterback yeah. well right now Mahomes is a top tier quarterback you're not settling for that you're you know, upgrading with Mahomes well, so think about a quarterback is he
1: a top tier quarterback or a top tier system
2: tough to say right now because he's young well, no, but right now I think he looks like he's good without a system Alex I Smith
1: think, looked good and they want more so you think it's a system results. there because of Andy Reid yes In Casey yes. okay yes he put up numbers all everywhere so I give credit to Mahomes he's doing some great things but
2: so you're saying but you're admitting system. you're settling you be system so you'd be downgrading going from Stafford to Mahomes I just want you to say that
1: what I think needs to happen is an offensive system that you can plug and play any quarterback in and not pay him $27 million. That's just my thinking.
2: And maybe, Kevin, Jim Bob Cooter's a problem, too. I mean, they've kept him for all these years, Jim Bob Cooter, and they kept him with the new regime led by Matt Patricia. I don't think I love Jim Bob Cooter that much, either.
0: Well, I, I think the jury is definitely still out, and, and you know it would be great to have that system where you could kind of interchangeable plop a guy in, plop a guy out you know to go back to the original thought about would you trade stafford for two first round picks for all the respondents that would say no i would say okay let's let's put stafford and compare him just to the quarterbacks in his division we're talking aaron rodgers mm-hmm. kirk cousins stafford trubisky now now next year you know that that order might be rodgers cousins stafford trubisky now next year i think that gap between trubisky and stafford closes so I, I think about where he's at, even in his own division, before you say you would not give up two first-round picks for him. Because
2: if I'm the GM, where do I sign? So, Kevin, you think Kirk Cousins is better than Matt Stafford, too? Because I view them as I do. being pretty equal. I, I actually do. Um, when I
0: spoke earlier about how when the, when the ball is in Stafford's hands at pivotal moments in the game, I don't have that good feeling. I have a much better feeling with Cousins. Um, I, I think that he's a, a calm, cool, and collected. And uh, In my opinion, he's better.
1: Great discussion about the Lions. Always, when you talk about Stafford and the Lions, it draws passion. Feel free. If you've liked what you've heard, if you don't like what you've heard, leave us a voicemail, 248-579-8686. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can say whatever, 248-579-8686. Message us on Twitter, at Detroit Podcast. We'll read it and engage in some great sports conversation. All right, Vito, time for a timeout. We'll come back. Second half of this podcast, we got to talk about something that happened at a Red Wings game with my wife, and we'll talk about the like tweet of the week, and uh, you have some concerns about some things that the president has been saying. Oh, yeah. So we'll always, always spice it up here on Two Bad Hombres. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: And let's get to our sponsors and two sponsors for this week's episode on every single episode of Two Bad Hombres, and starting with Legacy Football. And the Legacy Football organization was founded in 2009, and it is a premier off-season development program in the state of Michigan, in the Midwest, and in the entire U.S. of A. And the program provides unique platforms for student-athletes on and off the field through community service, social awareness, education, and football. And the staff of Legacy Football features former NFL players and even Lions greats such as former wideout Herman Moore. Now, to find out more about Legacy Football and all that they do, please contact National Director of Football, Justin Cisante, or go online to www.legacyfootballorg.com. And now to our other fine sponsor of Too Bad Hombres, and that is Top Cat Sales, led by former U of M Rose Bowl winning quarterback John Wangler, who founded the company in 1999. And since then, he has established incredible relationships with many entities, many high school teams, many club teams, corporations, and small businesses. And to get outfitted with Adidas Apparel and other apparel brands from TopCat, please contact TopCat Sales Monday through Friday by calling up 248-246-1054. And once again, the phone number is area code 248-246-1054. And remember to follow TopCat Sales on Twitter at Team TopCat.
1: All right, everybody. Thank you for downloading another episode on our network. We're available anywhere that podcasts can be downloaded. Uh, Podbean, Podbay, Stitcher, Podomatic, our website, DetroitSportsPodcast.com. com. should be no reason why you're not finding the great shows here on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Now, I've teased it, and I'm definitely interested to get your guys' take on it. Now, this is not something that happened when I was there. So the misses got invited. Andrea got invited to go to a Red Wings game from her friend, so her friend messaged her and said, "Hey, you know, I got tickets. Let's go down to the game." And so, you know, she goes. the The Red Wings won. They beat Dallas. They won 40. a game
2: actually. Look at that. Red Wings won their a game. first home game. What game of was the year. that? Uh, Dallas game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two wins <winning laughs> now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the first home game at LCA in which they got the two points. And so we were recapping it. I'm like, "Hey, how are the seats? What'd you guys end up doing?" And she tells the story of like, you know, battling traffic to get down there because that was the same time around the time that the Lions were exiting was the time the Red Wings started. So it took them a little while. They got there a little bit late. So they get into the arena and they head to a bar to get a couple drinks. Well, she's like, yeah, some guy hit on me. I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what? I'm like, wait a minute. What happened? And so she goes, yeah, we were standing at the bar. It's a little bit cramped. And some guy kind of brushed her hair and blew on her neck. And I'm like, "What Interesting to whoa, say the whoa. least there. And I was like, wait a minute, rewind. First thought in my head was, why are you telling me this? Wow. Second, <laughs> I'm like, did it go any further? I'm, she's like, no, of course not. And I'm like, okay, good. And I'm like, then the thought that enters my mind is, why don't you do something like move? Because she was, I guess she froze and things like that. But she said, hey, I'm married. The guy didn't care. And so- hey, some
2: guys don't. That is true,
1: right? And it was a bigger guy, but they were in a bar setting. So she kind of quickly moved away. And so, uh, listen, for those that don't know, I've been married now- eight years going on nine. I trust my wife. We've never strayed either way in, in that regards, but she's an attractive lady and she does get hit on uh, a little bit more than, uh, I'm comfortable looking more discussing. than
2: you get hit on. Yeah, exactly. But it's true. Yeah. So two
1: questions. Should she have told me this? And two, don't you think maybe she's got to learn some Taekwondo action? Like get your shit off of me, man. Don't touch me. And d- don't be so vulnerable to let some guy blow on your neck. I'm like, come on, babe. You can't be doing that.
2: But you don't expect that to happen at a Red Wings game. I don't care how attractive you are. Like when you're getting blown on by, I mean, I don't want to make it sound like that, (laughs) but you know, where the guy's blowing in your ear or whatever on your neck, that is weird. And you don't know how to react. Like, I don't know how I would react. I mean, I guess I'm in the same boat as you, but you're not getting hit on all the time. But (laughs) women will, will a lot. And especially I think men nowadays, how I view it, men don't care if you got a ring on too. Now she wears her wedding ring, right? So guys don't care at times. They're attracted to the woman enough. They're going to try. They're going to shoot their shot and see what happens, Kevin, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely the risk takers out there. And and so what's up with this guy's game, you know, blowing on a woman's neck? That's weird. It, that's yeah. that is that is pretty strange. And yeah. and you know, and and you so your wife told you, my yeah. wife, she knew she knows my wife knows she could never tell me anything like that. Okay. Not only would it ruin my day, <laughs> mm. but if I was like still in the place where it happened, there might be a ruckus. Uh-huh. And so my wife, you know, discretion is the better part of valor. She will she would not even tell me. She knows better than to tell me. And 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 so if the roles are reversed, like if I feel I'm getting hit on, it happens from time to time, I will try to downplay it, get out of the situation <laughs> as quick as I can because You know, I don't ever want that, and and, and obviously, so... So how did you end up handling it?
1: No, I, I laughed it off. But the first thought was like, I don't want to know these things. I'm like, come on, there's some things that you don't have to tell me. Like, you know what? I trust you. That's off limits. You don't yeah, want to hear about that from your yeah. wife. Huh? It didn't ruin my day. It ruined like ten seconds. I'm like, ugh, like uh-huh. I don't want to know this. And uh, let's move on to something else. And I'm like, uh, basically going into the mode of how do you prevent this in the future? I don't want this. <laughs> you know, when you go out with your lady friends and you go out to the bars, be careful because you know, probably I would assume based on the question that you asked, this guy probably was maybe a couple drinks in and was just a little bit loose and like, hey. Baby, what up? And you said yeah. it was a bigger guy, too? Because you have no chance, guys. you know, defeating yeah. a bigger guy. So you're right. scared of that anyway. So you don't All want right. that happening because you're not going to beat him up. He's going to beat you up. Oh, yeah. And so when ladies hit on me, I just, you know, say, hey, put your number on my phone. We'll talk. you know, we'll, yeah, we'll talk later. Andrea, well, no
2: no big deal. Andrea. We'll,
1: yeah. we'll Snapchat <laughs> later, right?
2: <laughs> just
1: kidding. No, it's 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 really interesting the way in which sometimes some people can uh, try and be so overt trying to pick up ladies and things like that, especially one with, that's wearing a wedding ring, right? So should I clamp down and not let her go out anymore without me? No, you can't say
2: these that. <laughs> stupid. No. I bet some guys would say that though. You know, they get so jealous. Yeah, but you'll only it be hurting stupid.
0: your you'll only be hurting your man time. And like, then I mean, your it, relationship
2: if, with her, right? So right. it hurts your man time. Well, sure.
0: Right? If you if you start limiting the the go out factor for the spouse, then, you know, obviously your your time will be cut too. And I I think that the guy probably just speaks to this borderless society we have. People do yeah. not have that respect boundaries, yeah. yeah, that respect boundary, correct? that that normally we would have had, you know, 20, 30 years ago. It's, it's just... It's, it's unusual,
2: it's, right? It's where we're at, unfortunately. People don't see red lights very easily, do they? No. In many <laughs> aspects of life. I think no. with that guy, too, you didn't see a red light there with your wife, even though she had that wedding ring on. No, the good thing
1: about me is I'm really kind of laid back and passive, try to limit things and keep things moving and keep it light and things like that because I got a stressful job. So you look at it and you go, in those situations, I just would have been like, bam,
0: popped him in the mouth and moved it, kept it moving. Yeah. Yeah, well, you <laughs> like to you tell yourself you would have done it. Yeah. You would have been scrambling out of the way as fast hey, as you possibly that, <laughs> Now you sound like me. Exactly. exactly. And, 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 you know, and you learn those things over the years. Obviously, Doc's approach is is much better—the calm, cool, collected—and and, yeah. and uh, but it but it takes it takes time for a man to mature to that point, and uh, I, I think that's that that speaks to the kind of man you are. So, one question because I, I haven't—I married an
1: American girl. What's it like being married to a Lebanese, independent, strong woman? Oh, it's
0: fantastic. So. Number one, Lebanese women are so beautiful. Like, yeah, they are, yeah. uh, you know, I really hit the jackpot.
1: And Italian uh, and Chinese. Italian, and Asian,
2: everybody. Every
0: single ethnic. Remember, Korean, Come on. No, no. I'm, a fan, yeah, I'm right. a fan of every woman.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. I know you are, too. I,
0: I am, too. But you got a
2: point. No, I know what you're <laughs> I, trying to say. I,
0: I am, too. Um, and, and so it's been a real, um, it's been a really great experience. So just a little small bit of personal background. I'm an only child. I came from, you know, a home of a divorced family. Anyway, um, my wife's family has been so open arms to me. And, and from day one, they, they, they've been telling me, like, your family, your family, your family. And you know what? Finally, it, that, that struck with me where I, I, I think about them as family. And they kind of are the family that I didn't have. And, it, and it's a good-sized family. And the bond is very strong. So nothing but positive to say getting married was the best thing I ever did. And uh, hoping the good times can continue.
1: That's right cousin Laura's the best. She let him come here, and uh, she was definitely super excited and uh my cousins are the best. I mean I got great family and when you look at it, anything in regards to family just involves you know positivity and embracing you know this new era of inclusion and things like that, so I'm glad that my family wasn't like, oh, you got to marry a Lebanese guy or just just marry somebody that's nice to you." makes a lot of money and uh you know because that's we definitely,
2: really important where's that guy yeah, where's that guy right?
1: no and, and, and kevin's a great addition to the family he's a good guy great at family gatherings and really personable too that's what you look for for me personally is that i'm, I'm more laid back so i'm more into people that come up to you and say hey what are you about what did that so and so then kevin's, i'll talk
2: and talk about exactly talk, and talk your ear off yeah the podcast and so, network
1: and so the great thing about kevin is he always kind of leaves enough time where we can talk about him behind his back so that's really good <laughs> and cousin laura always likes that <laughs> No, Kevin's a good guy and uh that it's 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 a great addition to the family and obviously he loves talking sports, a uh, big poker player,
0: great fantasy football. You said your record was 5 and 3, you're doing pretty good. 5 and 3 with a bullet, moving moving up the ranks. Very um, good. so I was projected after the draft to win zero of zero games by really? by Yahoo. Look wow! At that. And, and you know what? Last year they projected me to win three games. I won the championship going nice. away. Nice defending champ. Total yeah. smash out. I'm yep. sitting
1: at four he and four. He knows what he's doing, obviously. I'm sitting four and four, kind of meddling. But I got Aaron Rodgers and I got Kamara. But right now, this week, I'm hitting the bye situation with the Eagles, so I'm a little bit uh, pinching, uh, struggling to find some replacements. That's where I'm at.
2: So you guys are mature men. I think I am too. Is Andre Drummond one? I want a second of that. Now the two bad hombres light tweet of the week. He tweeted out. This past week, here it is now. I am a man of the people and love all Detroit fans. But this is why when media ask, do we play for the fans, and we say no, nothing satisfies them. Which is why I always say, I'm worried about the guys I have in my locker room. And that was in response to Rod Beard, who tweeted out, hashtag Pistons, fans are hilarious. Past few seasons, team isn't winning enough. This season, team isn't winning by enough. And now, are they not losing by enough? They just got blown out by the Celtics. Anyways, to this tweet. From Andre Drummond, Doc, what is your response to it?
1: Real quickly, it's just one that sometimes you don't have to make. And so obviously he hears that a lot of people don't respect the Pistons. And just quickly, it's tough to garner respect when you don't make the playoffs consistently, when you've gotten a coach fired, when night in, night out, you don't give the best effort. So sometimes um, Andre, he's a little bit of a loose cannon, and sometimes you don't say things like that. Look, you don't have to be rah-rah all about the fans, but the number one thing that I think athletes have to remember is the fans are the customers. So you're rich because the fans show up to the building. So just don't include fans in your tweets, period. Just say, look, you know what? If the fans don't think that we're winning by enough, if they think that we've beaten bad teams to start the year 4-1, and one, look, our job is to show them that we're a playoff team and we have to give them a reason to cheer really super loud. And I love Detroit. That's all you got to say. Really, the PR game is so easy. And It should
2: be, but it's not for look, these guys that are easily butthurt, and look too, like Andre Drummond. Yeah, and if I'm making
1: that much money, I'm going to pay somebody to be professional online. Pay Vito. I'll do it
2: exactly. Pay me something.
1: Vito comes. I'll do it. Vito comes affordably, so I think I that you got to be careful of what you say online,
0: and you can't talk about the fans.
2: Well, Andre Drummond is easily butt hurt. To yes. reiterate that phrase, yeah. I love that <laughs> term. That phrase, I think it really is applicable yeah. to Andre Drummond. Kevin.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. What a great word that butthurt. hurt. kind of <laughs> it's a summation of you know so many things like oh I'm this I'm that you know I'm the crying millionaire uh, you know uh, as a fan base I feel like all I want from them is respect they don't have to love me. Just respect the fan base because we do ultimately pay their their salaries. We are coming to the LCA. We are getting the twenty dollars pizza. You know, so don't love us. Just respect us. You know, that's all. That's all we can ask for. Real simple, keep your tweets professional. Don't talk about the fans.
2: Respect the fans, and the fans have the right to be critical. Now, tweet out something that's, you know, valid and is our right, is, you know, socially acceptable. Well, I think our president even has a problem with that, though, because he just brought up, you know, Andre Drummond. We were talking about him being maybe not mature and being butthurt a lot. Well, I think our president is, too, and he keeps blaming his faults on the media, calling the media the enemy of the people, and then he's calling you and I out subsequently, Doc, because I guess we're media now, and I don't think... It's the right thing for the man in the Oval Office being this, you know, big time leader on the world level, too, as a leader of the U.S. of A, as a president. It's not a good look for him when he's tweeting out and saying this kind of stuff about the media being the enemy of the people, Doc.
1: I can agree. And here's my stance on what you said in terms of how the president gets down. And it's similar to athletes, too, because when you start getting to the locker room and you start talking to the athletes when they sit across from me on the one on one specials, Nobody likes really being criticized. Nobody likes to hear, like, or to see in print, oh, Doc thinks Andy Dirks is insufficient, or Doc thinks that uh, Andre Drummond can't make free throws and he can't lead the team, or, you know, the Tigers, they hired a terrible manager in Brad Austin." They don't want to hear that. And so sometimes they're a little bit guarded in what they say back to the media. They want positive PR. And that's what the president wants. And he's come out, and he wants it so that a lot of people are in his favor. And he's got a big Twitter platform to try and achieve it. Would I use the words enemy of the people? No, it's a little bit strong. What I would say, though, and I think, you know, rational people can admit is the media is a little bit biased in that certain networks will report only on certain things that they feel the president's doing that's not efficient because he's done some good things. And some networks uh, will choose to then just say, oh, the president's doing, you know, irrational things. He's saying irrational things and then replay that all day and night. And other networks go, hey, the president's, you know, you know, maybe not supposed to be saying this, but he's doing this in the economy and, uh, you know, he's gotten a lot of judges in. He's done what he said he's going to do. So right now, you know, the media is not the enemy of the people, but true journalism is not to take stances. It's to find the truth. And so, unfortunately, you can't call these networks in the media true journalists. What's happening is there's a little bit of a bias and they take a stand and they report based on that. And some shows and hosts do a little bit better job than others. But, you know, the president, like anybody else, wants favor, and he probably should try and get it a little bit in a better way. And, and he he uses strong language. He tries to rally the troops in a way that can lead some crazy people to maybe act out. But I wouldn't go that route in terms of saying that um, the media is the enemy of the people. They're there, but they can do a lot better job.
0: I think that the idea of the media, you know, in a vacuum is, is good for the people, but I think that the media has become an actual enemy of the people when news and journalism became a tailored to an audience, big business media actually became the enemy of the people because you know, it is biased and certain networks will only show this and certain networks will only show that. And I I think it's a slippery slope. And obviously the, the media has a place. It's hard to call this big rolling online presence, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, true media in the sense that we used to say media like news reporting. And um, I I think that there's a place for it and it should be used for good, not bad. But unfortunately, it's big business. And I also find it hypocritical that Trump is actually condemning the media, yet his online presence makes him one of the biggest components of the current media.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He is
0: such a mouthpiece. I mean, he is the media. Yeah.
1: You know, if he wanted more positivity, he could just stay away for a few months and just kind of focus on policy. Talk less. He probably be, we talked about less. Yeah. He, and
2: you're he not dominates. a dictator. Yeah. There's a democracy. You're the U.S. president. So there is a democracy, meaning media has a right to criticize you and to be critical of you. And when it feels the need to, it's going to be critical of you. And you have to deal with it. You're the president. You think Barack Obama didn't hear some stuff, racial slurs directed at him? I mean, and other presidents in the past that got criticized, George W. Bush as well, they dealt with it better. Now, they didn't all have Twitter when they were in office, but President Obama did. Did you ever see him go attack somebody that called him racist on Twitter? No. And you have to be presidential as well. And I don't think Trump's always been that. And I've made that known. I know, to you, Doc, in the past.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that everybody involved, the media and the president can do a little better job in terms of giving their message and giving just the facts. But remember, guys, the CNN, Fox, MSNBC, they're a business and they are a for profit business, meaning that more eyes, more money for advertising. So they sometimes will run, you know, when uh, the president, when he was running, you know, grab him by the pee. You know, they, the CNN played that like 50,000 times. Why? And so Fox, you know, they'll keep promoting his speeches and things that he said and the economy and things like that. True journalism is about facts, but that's boring. And so the media in general, you got to remember for those that are listening, it's a for-profit situation, so it's not exactly true journalism. But in the end, when everybody knows the situation, pick your side. If you want to, you know, hear situations that are maybe a little bit critical of the president, go to CNN. If you want to hear a little bit more uh, pro Republican, pro conservatives, go to Fox. And you know, I don't know about MSNBC because I don't watch it.
2: I think it's more in the middle, but CNN is definitely MSNBC. slanted towards liberals. Yes, Fox News slanted towards Republicans, staunch Republicans. Yes. So the viewpoints about Trump are going to be much more positive on Fox News. You and it. you have to know that going into watching these networks what you're going to get out of them and their pundits too you got and a lot of these guys they're journalists but they're opinion-based journalists so and i think that has caused some disarray too in the past okay. with media and now not everybody is truly a journalist too like you and i really we're not journalists we're opinionists right. yeah, exactly. it's like these people that write up these op-eds right that are writers in these newspapers like the new york times so we gotta remember that and take that into account as well i think when you look at Media and what they're trying to do and what they're paid to do as well for these networks.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, I have young kids and the generation coming up doesn't know that there's a difference between talking heads and Mm -hmm. actual political pundits that are are serving up a viewpoint. And, you know, we're a part of that last great generation of where, you know, pre-internet, the line is so blurred. You know, it's it's media attainment. It's Mm -hmm. it's edutainment. And there is no division.
1: Now, Vito, to end the podcast, you have a question for us. I think you want to pose to me and Kevin regarding oh, yeah. whether you should party uh, in terms of uh, how you want to celebrate the great holiday in October, Halloween.
2: Well, speaking of being entertaining, now wearing a Halloween costume, do you have to wear a Halloween costume to a Halloween party where there is a costume, kind of a mandate to wear a costume? Do you feel like because of that, did that scream to you right there that you have to? And when I say wear a costume... I wore a jersey over the weekend last weekend. It was just a basketball jersey, Charles Barkley jersey. Way too tight for me, but I thought it was funny, and that's why I wore it. Cool and my jersey. buddy Nick Schmeagle <laughs> wore a Dennis Robin or Patrick Ewing jersey, who played for the Knicks. And my Charles Barkley jersey was a Rockets jersey. So do you dress up, you know, go all the way and try to win a costume award? Or do you? is it fine just to kind of just put on a jersey like I did, Doc?
1: How I've done it is if I've been invited to a trunk or treat where other adults will be wearing costume, I do. Now, now what
2: kind? Do you like go all out though I'm saying? Or well, do you just wear something simple that's easy? No, for, you know, uh
1: twenty dollars something that you can get at Walmart like Yeah, a so teddy something bear. simple,
2: cheap. Yeah, 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 a affordable. bargain kind of costume. Yeah, exactly.
1: And if it's a kid's party and it's kind of a pick or choose, I'll go, no, you know, because it's it's, it's a hassle to get all dressed up yeah. and things like that. Now, you know, in, in latter years, I have kind of gone to a little bit more Halloween type stuff at bars and stuff like that, but it's not something I really enjoy. It's something fun to see, you know, people dress up and have some cocktails and things like that, but it's not my preference. My preference is more to sit back, watch some sports, uh, have a conversation, smoke some hookah. That's more my style of what I like to do, but I think that if you make a choice to show up to a a Halloween costume party without a costume, you should be thrown out.
0: I've actually approached this both ways where I've gone to a costume party intentionally not wearing a costume and I've played along where I've worn a costume. And I got to say, you got to wear the costume because you will be such a pariah if you don't wear this costume. (laughs) Maybe you
2: like being the guy that's riling up everybody and being the pariah. I mean... Which if you, you don't want-, want to hear all the criticisms and hear people asking you left and right, hey, why didn't you wear a costume? I guess well you better wear a costume then, right? My biggest problem with a costume is, is that I don't like to be
0: fettered by things or have sure. like, paint on me. So that's my only problem. But you go to the party. Yep. Ho- hopefully there's beer. You have so. a couple beers, and then you yeah. don't care, and you're looking at all the other dads v- with pain on their face, and you're just like, whatever.
1: Yeah, Vito, you're in your 20s, so enjoy the next five years. Maybe the barrier is like 30. You can stop wearing a costume. And enjoy I can it. Finally,
2: the stop next wearing five a costume. Years, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: stop wearing a costume. But you did. I'm proud of you. I you- still did.
2: I did it. Good. It was pretty lame. I think the attempt, but I still donned a costume, so I can say that much.
1: Good for you, Vito. Good job. All right, man. What great a gr- great choice in costume. Great choice in costume. Thank you. Thank you.
2: I'm a sports guy. I mean, I guess that screamed it too, right? By wearing that jersey.
1: Man, when you have a good time, time flies. We've been recording for an hour. Kevin has been awesome. A uh, great addition to the family. I look forward to having future conversations with him on these podcasts. He enjoys our podcast and others as well. Thank you, everybody, for downloading. You can support us easily and free at DetroitSportsPodcast.com. Follow Vito on Twitter at Vito Jerome. Any social media presence for you, or are you kind of laid back? Uh, I try to keep myself
0: out of trouble, so my my presence is very small, but uh, I might get on Twitter for a fantasy football tool.
2: Very good. (laughs) Well, John's a Twitter addict. Yes. So, yeah, he's going to be on Twitter the rest of his life probably. (laughs) Now, it's been an entertaining podcast with you, Kevin. Thanks for coming in. Really quick, you said you like hookah? I do. You've never said that once on these airwaves. No, I don't. First time you've ever said it, though, to me. oh, I think off the
1: airwaves, on the airwaves, too. And I think it speaks to your point that sometimes stereotypes do apply. And I think mm-hmm. most Middle Eastern men and a lot of people in this area do like to partake in that form of smoking. I do love hookah. Uh There's like one on every corner, Vito. Have you popped into one? You have I to, haven't.
2: I, I've never. Uh, really? you never I'm popped into maybe one? I've have done or vaped
1: once, okay. but
2: one time, like I'm not okay. a consistent user. Okay.
1: That's something we all can get together. You
2: can show me how you do it. Exactly. How you live it up.
1: Exactly. I'll show you what it's about. And it's a great way for you to interact socially. Maybe you know, maybe Vito is a prime candidate to marry a Lebanese gal. I th- I
0: th- if there's somebody <laughs> in the family, I think a it Lebanese
2: happen, woman. Happen. I think it could happen. I like happen. the food already, too. My yeah. uncle's Lebanese. So, Assad, so. the the Assad family. So, there we go. I got some kind of that in my okay, life. Okay. So, maybe we'll
1: take Vito out for a hookah. We'll all get together and have some laughs and continue uh, off the air this great conversation that we had. Great topics, Vito. I'm so glad I put you in charge of these topics. Kevin brought the noise. It was such a great time. I can't wait to hear the reaction from the family and what he thought of this. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We greatly appreciate it.
2: And I pretty much showed up on time. I'll leave it at that. Adios, everyone.